Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. George's Rodenstoff, the official podcast of the Church of St. George the Martyr in Kells River, alongside the chapelries of St. Mark and St. Monica's. I am Lindsay Shooters, your host's exploration of faith, and I am joined as always by the Archdeacon, Father Rodney Whiteman. Father Rodney, how are you doing? Good day, uh, Lindsay. Doing well as possible. Um, interesting to ha- see how one's body shapes to having public holidays of the weekends and, you know, so close <laughs> to each other, 27th and this first. Um, and yeah, just thinking also about the workers today, um, the great need for our appreciation for all workers mm-hmm. uh, who plow their best and one is here grateful for one's own parents and ancestors. Mm-hmm. And thinking of all our parishioners who um, really toil to make life better for their families and are still able to impart of that for the benefit of the church and also for others who are in need. So one is very grateful for how workers help this world be the world. Mm. Well, the world is mostly workers. Um, Absolutely. So yes. Uh, happy International Labor Day or Workers' Day, as we call it in South Africa, um, to everybody. I hope it was a restful one. Uh, there were a couple of shops that closed early today, which is always good to see. Um, but in our constant culture of consumerism, that's that's a very, very rare sight. Uh, Father, it is the fifth Sunday in Easter. And... Oh. Of Easter. Of Easter. I'm sorry, I got it wrong again. <laughs> uh, must be the tea. <laughs> um, yeah, so if you could call us together with the collect and I'll catch up with you after that. Good day, everyone. Thank you for joining us again on this uh, weekly podcast, which has now been run for over a year. And we're very grateful to God for and for Lindsay and for all others who has helped us uh, put this together. So on this fifth Sunday of Easter, I greet you in these words with the Easter proclamation. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. The Lord be with you. We pray together the collect for this Sunday and this week. Remember, when we pray, the collect is always with other churches in mind, some form of connection. God of love, you sent your son into the world that we may abide in him, craft us into his risen life, that we may bear the fruit of love for you and one another. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Father, with the reading, we are still very much surveying the Acts of the Apostles, and this is chapter 8, verses 26 to 40. I'll choose a couple of verses. Um, An angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get ready and go south to to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. So Philip got ready and went. Now an Ethiopian eunuch, who was an important official in charge of the treasury of the queen of Ethiopia, was on his way home. He had been to Jerusalem to worship God and was going back home in his carriage. As he rode along, he was reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. 
Um, then the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over to that carriage and stay close to it. Philip ran over and heard him reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. And he asked him, do you understand what you are reading? So, Father, in your mind, what form is the Holy Spirit taking here? One of the things I found interesting about just the past part of the passage you read was how Luke tells us an angel of the Lord said to Philip and then talks about the spirit said to Philip. Mm. Um, so if the spirit says to Philip means that the spirit is speaking to Philip, we're giving um, anthropological uh, understanding to how the spirit operates in human time. Mm. So the communication of the spirit would be to into Peter's mind, into Peter's heart, you know, um, so of was the spirit operating with inside of Philip? Was the so I would say one would I would the closest I would come to dare to even respond would you say in spirit form because God is spirit and we can see if Luke says the angel of the Lord said and the spirit of the Lord said, is there a sense in which he's talking about how heaven, in other words, how God uh interest is interested in what goes on earth even to the minutest thing a man traveling for official business but one of the things he goes to do is to worship there's these little incidences along life's way which would mean nothing to the rest of the world mm. god is taking notice of and uses it as an opportunity to engage to uh, to allow him to be encountered by god so i would say the spirit spoke the idea into his mind, his heart, the spirit working within Philip. Um, the spirit had, of course, come upon him. Philip was a deacon. He, he was in service, but he was also someone who had been evangelized. He was missionized by Jesus. Mm -hmm. So he had a long history of the faith. So did Jesus teach him how to listen to the spirit, how to discern? that it was the spirit who said to him go over to your carriage and stay close to it uh, yeah. the spirit at work within us uh, in this in the form of spirit i think that would be the closest i would dare even to come and understand it but the fact that um philip heard a voice that was audible the message was articulate the instructions was clear philip as a, as a deacon and one who served uh, um, walked alongside Jesus, this would be a message he would respond to with obedience. Mm. Very much so. I've, I've also been obedient to voices in my head, um, especially in the, in the evening hours um, when I'm with, in gatherings, public gatherings, and then something just tells me, you know, now's a good time to leave. And the next morning you encounter some of the people and then the stories that they come with. Was <laughs> and then yeah. I'm very happy mm -hmm. that I had left at that time. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, that is that is interesting. I just wanted to tap in quickly to say, you know, there was a priest. There is a priest who's retired, very lovely man, yeah. um, Harry Wicked, who's a poet and an author. Uh, he's retired in the parish of, of um, Fishuk. And um, Harry was one of those people who served Mandela on the island. 
mm. as well when he was looking at the cathedral church many, many years ago. Obviously, I'm talking about Mandela's time on the island. And Harry has learned in his life to keep a notebook and a mm. pencil next to his bed. God speaks to me, and when I hear that, I wake up and I write down, even though the writing may not be as um, smart, smart if I'm totally awake. And that's how he believes he captures what God is speaking into him, even in dreams or in, or in a, you know, and he often, he would often compile a poem or write a hymn uh, at that moment, moment of the morning or the, or the when, when, when his sleep is, is, is sort of in, in, interrupted, if I can put it like that, mm. to cause him to compose. So, so that, and the fact that he is very confident that he's hearing God is, is very, very interesting. Philip gives us the same impression. He ran over and, mm. and, and, and did exactly what. And look, you listen to the voice too. So what voice is that that's speaking <laughs> to you? Listen, as a writer, I'm always plagued by deadlines and having to figure out the, the story I want to tell. Um, and those yeah. leads will come in the dead of night and I've learned over time to rather just let them go and be confident that I'll find a, a solution to my problem in the morning or else I, I can't then leave it. Like I can't just, I tried the, the notepad thing. I can't just jot it down and go back to sleep because then my brain wants to do everything. Okay. So then it's like 2 a.m., okay. 3 a.m. and yeah. You sleeping tonight again? <laughs> okay, I hear you. I hear so sometimes you. I have to I have to switch the the, the voice off and tell it to come back later. Oh. Uh, but my my yeah, what's interesting about this story? It's pretty much the first conversion that is done by an apostle. Um, because later in the story, uh, the, the passage he was reading was. Um, he was like a sheep that was taken to be slaughtered, like a lamb that makes no sound when its wool is cut off. He did not say a word. He was humiliated and justice was denied him. No one will be able to tell about his descendants because his life on earth has come to an end. So then the official asks Philip whether Isaiah was speaking of himself or of somebody else. And then Philip ministers to him, speaks the good news of Jesus, and then they pass by some water and the eunuch is like, hey, I want to be baptized. And then he gets baptized. And then um, it says in this interpretation, the spirit of the Lord took Philip away. So he was spirited away and then he found himself in Azotus um, and then he went on to Caesarea. The important thing here is the story for for me, it's like, did Philip chat with Luke afterwards? I, I, I want to know how the story was captured. Um, uh, yeah, there's there's no, because obviously the, the narrator is not there, right? Yeah. So after the experience, uh, the story is told. Yes. Yes. So then yeah. Philip probably wrote to Luke or, or something like that. that it's a very... It's a very strange story, but but I understand why why it's included in Acts because it's like the first um, conversion, much like the Saul and Paul situation. Um, so 
from here, what does it show us about the apostles that we don't already know? Me, in response to you, the first thing I need to say, there was a priest that I worked with who often used to say to me, another name for this particular document, Acts mm. of the Apostles, um, could be something like the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Mm. So how did the Spirit work through the apostles after the Spirit came upon them, as recorded in Acts chapter 2, after the instruction given in, um, in chapter 1, just before the ascension of our Lord? Mm. And at that stage, we also begin to see how the persecution was beginning to formulate around the disciples. Mm. They were told not to say anything. So now what Jesus wanted them to do was to get the gospel to the furthest end of the world, which was Rome at the time. Mm. But how did they get there? Persecution forced them to flee from where they were in Jerusalem. Mm. And so as they then traveled to safety, so they courageously shared the message under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So Luke then would have captured how these stories came together. There was, as a doctor, uh, uh, somebody who was educated, he would have needed to test uh, in terms of the, of, the, of the current discernment of whether the story is credible or not, mm. does it actually reveal, um, let's say, the workings of the Holy Spirit? Does it reveal how the Spirit worked through the apostles? Does it see does it, the, whole, the whole question of the Lord's messenger, the angels coming to, to Philip to say this to him, how God was moving the disciples, the apostles now, to begin doing what Jesus called them to do. And you are witnesses of these things. Mm. And so their witnessing was, as it were, on the move uh, towards Rome. And of course, at the end of, 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 of Acts, Paul becomes the main spokesperson when he lands before the emperor. Mm. Now, um, so, so this... This story, as all stories, there's no way this story could just be told as is and then without any scrutiny from the group, from the, the actual church. How was the story edited? What was its original form when Philip retold his experience? Um, if we take it from, from the bottom up, he preached the good news in every town. So that's the sense of call that they had. How did they get, how did he get to that point where he started doing that in every town? This is what was along the way for him. So why would it be so easy to disprove Philip's um, experience? Could anybody make the story up? Could they have gone to check out who was this Ethiopian Enoch that was the, in charge of the treasury of the queen and say, did you really have this experience? Um, do you, did you, I mean, because here's no name introductions. Mm. The main purpose here was get close to that carriage so mm. that you can hear 
him reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. And a question is, this is the question you have to ask him to start that conversation with him. And, and so I think that everything that could have been done in terms of editing the story, in terms of it, uh, checking out its credibility would have been done not just by Luke, but also by the church before this document was 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 set out to carry the message. I mean, I often find um, that when when I'm reading other books, uh, the kind of credibility we give to the novels we read, for example, you know, um, they will tell you certain things that they that you need to know before the, the reading the the, the 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 story, what is true and what is not true. Mm. Um, but it's it's a story. Um, are are the events of the story credible timelines and all that? So I think Luke would have gone through all of that to be able for us to understand this. So this is really for me how, how the spirit of God was working through an apostle to mm. to reach it. What happens here? The gospel not only reaches to to Rome. What it does, it says, it also goes through Africa. Mm. Because once that Ethiopian eunuch is baptized and travels, he goes back to his home. What conversations around the road may or may not have had? What did he do when he came home? We don't hear that side of the story. Um, and, and there's also how come he was worshiping God in Jerusalem? Was mm. the was the Jewish tradition already in Ethiopia, the, the, the worship of God through the Israelite um, people, the people of mm. the covenant, that he would be one of those. And remember, his skin color didn't match them in the Mediterranean. Mm. And yet um, we see Ethiopia very much in the early parts of the story of the Acts of the, of the Apostles or the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles, um, evident here, and and he's a trusted and important um, official, um, whom whose queen know, knew that he went to worship God. Then he was a man of quite a lot of credibility. Mm. So he would not have downplayed this experience um, and told and didn't wouldn't tell tell her at home. We haven't heard that part of the story. It'd be wonderful to know if anything was written about it when he went back home. Um, not as a voice that says, yes, I did meet Philip and therefore I went through this experience. Mm. Um, how do we trust biblical stories based on modern day um, interrogation of texts? Mm. Because in, 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 I think with Trump's whole thing, we heard this thing called fake news. Mm. Now the very person who was Claiming fake news is the very person who told fake news. And yet the world runs on stories. For example, your stock market runs on stories. Mm. Whether that story has got credibility or not, and I don't know how the credibility is tested, you will see either because then they use the word speculation mm. so the credibility of the market is tested because somebody's messing around 
for their own self-good or somebody is bringing into the frame something that is truth. What was that, um, that company in, in America that took on Walmart, I mean, took on Wall Street and Wall oh. Street was shattered by it? Oh, uh, that was, yeah, that Reddit story um, where, yeah, yeah the, the guys were, were investing in games, GameSpot, GameStop, so yeah. Yeah. The stuff. So, so simply by getting the story out, people responded mm. because they believed there would be some kind of benefit for them at the end of the day. But Wall Street did not like that story mm. because yeah, the one percent after whom they look now realized there was a crack in their wall. There was a hole in their dike. So we so we live by stories. You wake up in the morning and the first thing that, for example, I don't do this, but I know that it has happened in my family year and in my family when I was growing up. What's the weather like? Mm. And you look out of the window to see what the weather's like. And later in the day, you may have made the wrong choice of clothing. Yes. Because your basis of following that story was not sufficient information. So you need the radio. Mm. Because on the radio, there'd be somebody who's trained enough to say, you see the blue sky, but it's not going to last until 12 o'clock. <laughs> Clouds are going to come. Based listen, on what story? <laughs> listen, this week I had a, a, a weather report on the, on the news, on the radio that was saying that it's blue skies across the Western Cape today while it was raining. <laughs> it yeah. was raining. <laughs> Fake news, huh? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I look at the story and I do find a sense of gentleness in it. There's no force in telling it. Mm. There's a gentleness about the story. A, 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 a slow, progressive gentleness about it. No force. I mean, just go to the carriage and stay close. You're not there to impose yourself onto this man. Yes. Uh, witnessing about the gospel is asking, showing interest in what the person's doing with his time. Mm. And then entering into the conversation. And when he says, yeah, and Philip began to speak to him, starting from this passage of scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. So witnesses got to be credible in the way that they understand scripture. If, remember, Philip was part of that same group who didn't understand Jesus' appearance story as, as well. And when in Luke's gospel, they, were, they all had to have their minds open to understand. Mm. And Jesus took it from the Old Testament, brought it right through. And said, now I'm fulfillment of all that has been spoken and written. So Philip would have had that kind of education and learning and, and, and use the technology that Jesus used, starting the passage from where they were, Old Testament, and bringing it to Jesus. Mm. Now, we had an interesting discussion when I was at seminary. Because this story, the question is asked, how can I understand unless somebody explains to me? And I'll, when he goes, it's, he goes, it, um, how can I understand when somebody explains to me, uh, somebody doesn't explain to me? And then the question was, tell me of whom 
is the prophet saying this of himself or of someone else? Mm. Now, Philip gives the response. This is all about Jesus. The servant of the servant song in Isaiah. More than one servant song. Our lecturer challenged us when we were studying Isaiah. Does Did the prophet know it was it's going to be about Jesus when he told this prophecy? Did he know that the servant was Jesus? Or did they think it was Israel? Mm. So here comes the challenge. If only I'd remembered reading this part of Acts, I could have told my lecturer, actually, Philip believed it was. <laughs> <laughs> I only recall that now. But yeah, and I think the passage of Isaiah, remember they were written in scrolls, so he must yes. have been able to afford an, a scroll. And this incredible passage of one who suffers for the salvation of others. How mm. could it not touch you? Mm. No, I, I, I like something you said earlier about um, the gentleness and it was just to go and be by the chariot and not impose yourself. Um, like I, yeah. I, I spent uh, this, this evening, late afternoon with two friends who I've known for over 30 years. Um, and it was, it's one of those interesting things where the one I do see quite often, the other who I know the longest, um, we we haven't probably spoken in a year, but it didn't take too much time to like catch up. But it, it's that that awkward game of listening to another person while they fill in the gap <laughs> since the last time yes. we spoke. Um, and just knowing when to to be quiet and then when to say your story, like when it's your turn to mm. speak, and it's yeah, it's it's a it, it was a it was a it's a it's a unique situation to be in. Um, yeah, yeah, because I mean, like as children, you obviously share every free moment together, um, and then as in adult life, when your life is filled with other things. You kind of grow apart, but it's, it's it's important to to like reconnect and just be walk alongside the chariot, you know. <laughs> yes, walks alongside the chariot. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think I think just to tag onto that quickly, that after this encounter, the official did not see Philip again, but continued on his way, full of joy. I think that's the pinnacle we want to reach. Mm. When we encounter each other, when you encounter God, I believe with joy, having been blessed with that encounter. Mm. But he was now a part of the vine, and that brings us neatly to the gospel, which is according to John, chapter 15, verses 1 to 8. I am going to go straight to verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because a part of me, you can, apart from me, you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. Two things 
I have issues with. <laughs> One thing, first observation is actually, if ever you are looking for a route to the the idea of heaven being hellfire and brimstone, these sorts of stories point that out. Um, it's a very <laughs> agrarian view of the world. <laughs> Um, and the second thing is, this analogy is weird because the branches must grow from the vine. They cannot be grafted onto the vine. Well, they can kind of, but that's a whole different situation. So where is the opportunity for conversion? Like this is a very Jewish idea of like, you are born into something and you're part of something and your parents make the covenant for you and not like having someone converted to it. Like Jesus doesn't leave a lot of gray area here. Mm. I, I, it's, it's very interesting that um, you say that because I'm often wondering whether Jesus brings up stories at uncommon times with different um, uh, different edges to them that is not as clear cut as, let's say, what happens in nature. Mm. But he uses the metaphor, he uses mm. the teaching tool. Yes. So, what is the main thing he wants to get across here is, and it started very, very boldly I'm the vine, and my father is the vine grower. Mm. So, this is how he understands I'm the true vine. And then in the vine, when a branch does not bear fruit. Now, is it ever possible that a branch that is connected to Jesus, where the vine grower is the father, would ever be unproductive? Is there a time when people would have to be removed from that vine, pulled out from that vine? Or does the branch resist? what the vine is seeking to give it in order to produce the fruit. It's the branch that bears the fruit. The vine is nurtured through the ground at the work of the vine grower through the stem and produces and feeds all the branches in order for the branch to be fruit bearing. So is Jesus saying, if you're really in me and my father is in me, then is it ever possible that a branch will have to be removed from me? Now, what is he saying about Israel here? Israel, mm. you're a branch. Why are you resisting to be in me? And then he goes into every branch that bears fruit, that bears fruit, he prunes and makes it more fruitful. So you're resisting, therefore you're not being productive. But if you are being pruned by the teachings, formed and shaped by the teachings for the productivity that the vine grower sees fit to do, then you will be fruit bearing. Mm. So is Jesus saying to, to those who resist him, that when they resist him, when they become detached from him, they, when, they, when they are no longer connected to him, they become useless. Now, for Jesus, that would be truth because he knew the benefit he was for everybody, for all of the world. We are struggling with whether he's a benefit for us or not. 
We are questioning whether getting close to him or getting connected him or being in relationship, to, in relationship with him is um, a good thing or not a good thing. Will it destroy my, my personal journey, whatever that means for me, if I am going to be connected to Jesus? So, so if you don't, if you don't really want to be connected to me, then you'll be, you won't bear fruit. Therefore, you'll be disconnected. In other words, Israel, all, all of the things that you heard about me in the Old Testament is me. God has connected you to me, but if you don't want to be part of me, then you can, you're not going to be fruit bearing. You, you would have lost your sense of purpose. What mm. happens to those branches? So is Jesus throwing that curveball in when you resist me, which I don't want you to do, because benefit of me is that, yes, you'll be pruned, you'll be shaped, you'll be formed by my teaching, by my presence, by my spirit. But the, but the point is for you to be productive with your life. Mm. Of course, the question may be, what fruit do we want to be? Because somebody that's, that's charismatic or whatever, prosperity cult may want to say your productivity lays in the money you make and the wealth you can assume but that's not what jesus is talking about if that blessing does come it's not for the purposes of saying well if you have faith in you will have wealth fruit bearing is far bigger than that that's the fruit of the spirit for example the character that we must must have so one could connect that to this mm. so when you come to this five jesus helps them to identify who he is but who he is to them. He says, I'm the vine and you are connected to me. You are the branches. He takes responsibility for, for you know, uh, the connection between him and humanity. But it's up to you. If you want to abide in me and I abide in you, then this is the outcome. Mm. But then he makes it's this very profound statement because this is the reality he puts to them. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Would Jesus be selling himself short if he left that part out? If he's truly the savior of the world, would he not give us the full picture of what that means to us? Mm. If, because apart from me, you can do nothing. So, so, but there's also a way in which we think we can connect to Jesus, claim his name and use his word, and then kill all the indigenous people whose countries we've taken over. Is that mm. true connection to Jesus? Well, no. However, in some way, the gospel was proclaimed and indigenous people believed them. You take, they took their land, but they now understand the Bible you brought. So they're going to look up for things for justice. But that's another story. What I'm saying is that what is the true connection between Jesus and the disciples? What kind of relationship is he wanting to espouse with them? Mm. And, in, and in a way of figuratively speaking, he says, look at me as the vine. You are the branches. If you look at the vine, the vine is branches. And that's our relationship to each other. And the, bra the, the, the vine and the, and, the, and the branches don't take a break from one another. There's, there's a continuous relationship with each other. Not seen by the physical eye always. It is how the vine, how the, the branches bear the fruit that one can see 
the inner relationship that is developed between the vine and the branches through the working of the vine grower who's tending the soil and feeding the, the roots in order for the vine, vine to be uh, the productive one. Mm. So if you decide not to be, be with me, then what is a branch all on its own? It can grow another vine. <laughs> well, who's assistant? Hey, what if who's assistant? A different vine grower, maybe a vine grower who can make all the branches bear fruit. Uh, but it, it's, it's interesting that you go there. Um, the the foundation that you laid with with your in your argument, um, it's is there a hypothetical reality where Jesus doesn't get crucified, or at least what do you think of a hypothetical reality where Jesus doesn't get crucified and <laughs> the Hebrews continue on one path and then you have this kind of counter movement that exists alongside it. Um, almost the way um, Islam and Judaism exist alongside each other um, before the Brits got involved, um, or at least the rest of the world got involved. Um, where where is the scope for diversity of faith? Okay, um, you you remember that Islam only came around in um, in five hundred and odd. Yes, with... but the, I mean it was a lot of of stories that Muhammad had interpreted from Christians, early Christians. Yeah. So by interpreting it and creating a new a new religion, he was coexisting alongside what was at that stage Christianity and Judaism, mm. um, giving people a different sense. And look, I mean, it's reached popularity throughout the world. There's a claim that there's over a billion people who are mm. following the Muslim faith. Its main its main thing is peace, the religion yes. of peace. Yes. That's what they claim. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that is a loaded statement. <laughs> That's what they claim, isn't it? Yes, but like that is the we truth are... when you when you analyze the, the, the tenets of the faith. It is built on peace. Just like Christianity, as I've always said, is based on universal love and acceptance. But at some adherents do not practice what that means. The means for peace is often to conquer your enemy. Yeah. Then you introduce peace among them. So it's about conquering for peace sake. Can mm. that truly be peace? Um, you know, Jesus died for, for, for peace. His methodology was death for himself rather than, um, than, than, than beating up the enemy. Yeah and remove them. So by his blood, by his nurturing of the soil, the new Adam can come uh, in him, um, mm. nurturing the soil. So, you know, I at one stage asked when I was doing my first year in seminary and standing, having a casual talk with my lecturer in systematic theology, mm. um, 
is it necessary for salvation to believe that that the virgin birth was true? Is is the virgin birth necessary for salvation? Mm. Would Jesus have been the savior even if he wasn't born by the methods that we read about in scripture? Would it have made Jesus any 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 less than who he was? Um, but that God chose that method must have some meaning in it. That God could embrace the humanity in a way that from conception to death, our Lord fully embodied, God fully embodied who humanity was in its innocence and yet in its depravity mm. because of sin. So therefore the virgin birth becomes a necessary part of the story because it celebrates the incarnation of our Lord Jesus. Now the question I asked was asked because I was um, being attracted by the fact that some people say they, the, the, the story of the, of, the, of the virgin birth is a myth and mm -hmm. it's not necessary for salvation. Now that I'm thinking about it a little bit deeper, I would say, no, it is a necessary part of, of it. Would there have been salvation on the cross without incarnation? What's the whole purpose of incarnation relates very, very much to us. So if one removes any of that, mm. then what salvation are we talking Talking about now in the Hebrew Bible, that is the Old Testament. Yeah, talk about salvation happens, and we see in some of the stories how, in fact, right through how Israel, as the covenant people, are liberated from the enemy, mm. but then they want to become like the enemy and they break covenant with God and end up again in the chamos that they are in in exile, and that seems to be the trend. But it was always, just always, that nucleus that remained faithful around whom God could reshape and rebuild the covenant people again. Mm. But all of this was, as it were, you know, moving to the point where at the end of the day, uh, God, God was coming himself, as it were. Mm. That the salvation of humanity needed far more than just a prophetic word. Mm. It needed the presence of God in, in human form, the presence of God embodying that humanity that keeps forgetting God saved them. They could not live in a longitude of time continuously in the, in the realm of God's salvation. Instead, it came with other ideas, nationalism, and all of that. So we read about Gaza in the Acts of the Apostles. Mm. If you read about that, you read of tensions between people, Israel and the Palestinian people. That has cost so much lives. Now, why? If salvation was real through the means that they believed it, why is salvation not possible to bring reconciliation with those that are different? We share a humanity 
but they, diff they share a different faith belief. Why do I need to kill you for that purpose? Why do we need to live in tensions? And at the end of the day, they are brothers and sisters of each other. Mm. It's the same blood that exists there. Why have they not been able to unwrap that mindset? Me, I believe what the um, what the the Ethiopian was reading. His question was very vital. Who who is this about? Why is there such a person being prophesied about? Who will choose humility? Who will choose denial of justice to become a lamb? To be slaughtered. Why was that prophecy such an important one for us to embrace? So, in other words, how do you juxtapose that reality of of the shepherd, Jesus talking about himself as the true vine, and that the, the what's the name of the branches? The vine with the vine grower makes every effort to ensure that the branches are nutrified enough to produce the fruit, to bring about its purpose, the purpose of the vine. We carry the fruit that the vine bears in us. The fruit is not the branches, but we bear it. We're the ones that, that bear it, but the vine is the one that produces us to be able to carry that. So. So when you abide, Jesus came and he embodied our humanity. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. Because he embodied us. He, he took on our form and became obedient to people. Why? Because the vine cares enough that the branches do not become firewood mm. do not lose their purpose do not lose their sense of connectivity to what gives them life and purpose mm. and so I want to revert back to a word you used which you probably saw in, in the theme part which is part of the collect graft us into his resurrection and I wondered that beautifully said for me. And the purpose of grafting us is so that we may bear the fruit. So we do come from another stocky. And Jesus, where does the grafting happen for this Ethiopian? He reads a story and he's asking a question. I need to understand this reading because who is it telling me about? So somehow the reading is telling me about somebody that I need to know. Mm. Philip tells him the story and then he says, yes, water, what keeps him from being baptized? So in baptism, we are grafted into our Lord. Mm. Why do you think, why do you think without perhaps it being most available that the, the, the cross is spoken of in some poetry as the tree. Because, yeah, like a lot of those were, were actual trees. And then you just carry the cross beam that your arms would then be thingied on. 
like historically that 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 is the more accurate representation of that kind of scene but the symbolism of the tree itself yeah. what does a tree do it grows it bears fruit through its branches it gives root to the branches in itself mm-hmm. and 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 grafting was a very early craft in agricultural means. Today mm-hmm. we do see a lot of fruit on the market where grafting has taken place, mm-hmm. at least successful grafting. I, I do often wonder when I look at this fruit, I hope there's no thing here that's going to burst the veins inside of me when I <laughs> eat it <laughs> because of its, its grafting together. Genetically but, modified, call it yeah. by its name. Call it by its name, yeah. So, so, so I just wonder whether, when we think of how important, in terms of baptism, when it says, St. Paul says, we share in the death of our Lord, mm. what does his death look like? His death was on a cross. So as he hung in the baptism I receive in his name, I'm grafted into that death. Mm. And therefore, I'm grafted into the risen life of our Lord, because that's what baptism says. And what's the purpose, says this prayer? So that we can bear the fruit of love. And if we read the lesson, which is the second lesson for tomorrow, which is not in there from 1 John 4, Mm. the very first verse says, Beloved, let us love one another because love comes from God. Mm. Why can we love one another? Because love comes from God. So in order to love, we must be grafted into God in order to love. Mm. So in other words, can a branch hang out there all by itself? And if you say somebody must then plant it, what are you saying about the vine grower who sees the potential of a branch who does not want to use it for firewood? That is that is quite interesting. Um, yeah, I am going to close by saying that grafted fruit bear no seeds. Mm-hmm. It's like a mule is a donkey and a product of a donkey and a horse is then also sterile and could be considered a eunuch because eunuchs, yeah, they were castrated so that they could serve in the service of um, the women, like the royalty, so like the queens and the ladies of court and that sort of thing. Um, And on that little bit of trivia, I will leave you to consider the implications of everything you have read in that context. Uh, Father, if you could please um, give your closing remarks and then call a few more or highlight a few more points of meditation in the praise of the church. Thank you very much, Lindsay. Appreciate that. Let us pray. Our first prayer is a prayer of thanksgiving to God for using Philip in the power of his spirit to offer ministry to the Ethiopian leader. And yeah, 
Yes, Ethiopia does make us think of Africa, our beloved continent, and we give thanks to God for Africa. The prayer we'll pray a little later on. And that also we thank God that he calls us to be the beloved in Christ because he is the beloved son and who calls us to fill the world with love by loving one another. We pray that Jesus who is the vine and invites us to be his branches, to keep abiding in our lives and love, to prune and tend his church that it may bear fruitful disciples of his grace, that the Ethiopian officials sought to understand good news, so may our hearts be and minds be open to the authority in all authority to pursue truth and justice, bringing reason for all people to rejoice, that Jesus may set our hearts ablaze with his love, to open the hearts of all people to reflect this love in ways that nurture and foster character, that we may be strengthened uh, to support parenting and provide guidance for the young. Jesus' love may which preside, precedes us, we respond with adoration and praise and we give to all our afflicted grace to bathe in this affection. Raise us to delight in your loving purposes through the good times and bad. And then Jesus, we are made for your love. Do not forget the children you have made. May we all come to abide with you forever. And then a new, new prayer for COVID. And I'm sure Lindsay will put this on the screen too. Author of life, savior of the nation. COVID is humbling. Your grace is sufficient. The deaths we mourn. For the recoveries we give thanks. The, compass the compassionate care we applaud. For the vaccines we are grateful. For compliance we plead. For the common good we pray. In the healing name of Jesus. Amen. And then we continue to pray the prayer, creating awareness, advocacy, and activism against gender-based violence. O God, from whom love comes and who calls us to love one another, by your power continue to deliver us from all forms of prejudice and violence and bring you a healing balm of love to all who are wounded. God bless Africa. God, our children, guide our leaders and give us peace for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. Remember the words of St. John in 1 John 4. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And so in conclusion, like Philip, open your lives to the presence and guidance of the Holy Spirit. As the psalmist, Proclaim God's deliverance to those yet unborn. Heed to the command of Jesus to love one another because love comes from God. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst us and remain with us always. Amen. Now, my sisters and brothers, go in peace to love and share the, serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We always go in the name of Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you very much for tuning in, for sharing in this podcast. And we do value all your 
recommends that will help grow this outreach where possible. And we thank Lindsay for his patience with us in all of this.